Struggling to keep track of your story and world? Archivos is for you. More intuitive than a wiki, more extensible than Scrivener, Archivos builds your story bible into your personal, always-on tactical display. Graphical relationship charting, continuity tools, this thing has it all, with bonus options for fan engagement and real-time collaboration. Archivos. Story world management done right www.archivos.digital. That's www.archivos.digital. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1005. Today we hear from Dawn, who asks, How do I connect my story, plot, theme, or characters to current events without it being obvious? Um, oh boy, how do you answer a question like this? That I, is really a general question. It, and, and I mean, it's, it's a good question, but it, it is very it's general. It's one that, um, it depends a lot on the context of both the story and the current event in question. Yeah. Because you, you, it's really hard to incorporate current events into, say, your medieval fantasy epic. Well, the way to do it that everyone would default to is allegory, where you have a one-to-one correspondence mm-hmm. for things. Yeah. And it's obvious that thing X is a stand-in for thing Y. And I think she's asking how not to commit allegory. Mm-hmm. while trying to write things uh, that are inspired by current events or whatnot. All right. Think Return of the Jedi. Aren't I always? <laughs> okay. Now, I'm going to do this as an exercise because I know the answer to this, but I don't know if you do. And if you don't, it's going to be very interesting. Okay. Think about Return of the Jedi and think about what that story is about. I mean, the whole Star Wars trilogy Especially, but Return of the Jedi in particular. Uh, in what con? In, in, what? in terms of the current events. Oh, geez. Return of the Jedi was the last of the, of the original, original trilogy, trilogy yep, where with the Ewoks and the with, Emperor and Jabba right, Hutt. and e- Luke fights Darth Vader and wins. Right. Right. E- <laughs> You're gonna laugh when I tell you. Okay. <clears throat> Return of the Jedi is about the Vietnam War. <laughs> see? As soon as I say it, you can see it. But until I say it, it's not obvious. Right? You've got the jungle dwellers who are going up against the most well-equipped army in the galaxy and totally pasting their asses. And they have the help of this insurgent or, or of this illegal force that's come from the other military power that's helping that, that's helping them with strategy and stuff kind of like the communists were aiding the Vietnamese the North Vietnamese the Viet Cong against the Americans right now the whole Star Wars trilogy itself and all of the Star Wars films Lucas made are actually sort of a biography of the boomer generation They start off as these idealistic rebels who want to overthrow the evil empire and establish truth and justice in the galaxy, and they seem to win. And then we go to the prequels, and if you take them in the production order instead of the story order, 
You then have the prequels produced in the early 2000s, the time of the Twin Towers and the Iraq War. And you have the boomers, your protagonists, the good guys, the Jedi, the established order, the guardians of righteousness, who usher in dictatorship. The first Star Wars trilogy is related to current events because it was about the idealism of the boomers and the boomers coming into their own as the leadership class. And the second trilogy is related to current events because it is about the leadership class completely failing at everything and becoming so corrupt that it ruins the world. The two Star Wars trilogies are the biography of the baby boomer generation, written by a baby boomer who was always critical of his own generation from American graffiti forward. That is exactly how to incorporate current events. It's not an allegory. You can't say, Anakin Skywalker is really George Bush. Right. <laughs> it doesn't map. But what maps are the broad themes? This is why you can say that even though it's not an allegory and it's not ham-fisted and it's not even obvious, Lord of the Rings is in some very deep and profound way about World War I. The war where Tolkien was in the trenches and watching civilization fall because all of the great empires wanted nothing more than domination. The ring of power. I, I would like to add to this. Um, I, th I think the most important thing to do, incorporating current events into your storytelling in a way that works is that you have to understand the events more than what mm. you see on the news. Because if you only understand the surface, the propaganda on the on one side or the other, you do not understand the issue. That's actually really important. And if you don't understand the issue, the motivations behind what is happening... Um, you are apt to caricaturize it. You are, you are apt to simplify it into good and evil rather than understanding the complexity of what's going on. And you can see this a lot when Hollywood does issue episodes oh, God. of long-running TV shows. And the Hollywood class tends to be very activisty and very supportive of anything that appears to be the good guys. And the people who are doing the issue episodes don't understand anything more than the talking points, and it shows. It, it, it shows to the people who really, truly care about the issues. It shows to the people who are against whatever is being advanced, and you don't win anybody over if you don't understand your side enough to advocate it well, let alone what the opposition thinks. You have to understand all sides of a conflict in order to, in, in order to incorporate what's going on into your storytelling in a way that really communicates and explores the issue and allows the readers to relate it back to what's going on. 
Yeah, and it, it and this is even doubly true if you don't want the readers to relate it back to current events directly, but you want them to think about the broader issues or um, feel about the broader issues in ways that enrich their lives. Yes. Um, the propaganda point is really important, and it's something that Americans don't understand. And so if you're conversant with this topic, I apologize for insulting you. But in general, Americans do not understand propaganda because we have free speech. And because we have free speech, we assume that the speech we hear is free. And it's not. The United States has had the single most effective propaganda regime in history since the 1940s. And it's effective because it is relatively undirected. It's what's called a standalone complex. The media cast operates from a common cultural framework. So the um, Overton window is very, very limited. The controversies that break out in that Overton window are huge, and they are exciting. They're very, very small. We uh, Americans tend to demonize each other over very small differences. All of the, almost all of the major issues of the culture wars in the last forty years have been not the good guys against the bad guys, but people who have one set of moral priorities against another uh, people who have a different ordering of the same set of moral priorities. Now, when you're doing fiction that's set within a culture or system like ours and everything is broken apart on the narcissism of small differences, it's hard to disguise that kind of thing, but it can be done. When your information diet comprises of both sides or all three sides of the cur- of the current media class and you're dealing with something like the war in Ukraine or the war in Iraq or the war in Afghanistan you're not hearing two or three sides of the story you're hearing two or three angles on one side of the story the big issues throughout history none of them are the evil guys against the innocent guys. Yeah, as history goes on, we may render a judgment as to which side was more evil. And in the process, we tend to erase the sins of the side that we have decided, often for very good reasons, were the better guys. For example, in World War II, the Nazis were the bad guys. Now, the Nazis were really bad guys. Really bad guys. But in order to preserve our image of how bad they were and how righteous we were, we ignore the firebombing of Dresden. We ignore the firebombing of Tokyo. We ignore the part part where the United States made historically unprecedented war against civilians in order to preserve the lives of its own troops at the expense of the civilians on the other side. And we did that a lot. We were not the unblemished good guys. We even enabled the Holocaust in order to keep our distance from what was going on until there was such a time that we knew we could swoop in and win at the end. We were happy to let everybody else kill each other. 
that that's not something the good guys would do. But of course, geopolitics is never about the good guys and the bad guys. That's something we make up afterwards. As Jake Kasdan wrote in his script for The Zero Effect, which is an amazing film, by the way, and you should see it. It's delightful and funny and tragic and beautiful and romantic all at once. It's a comedic take on um, the Sherlock Holmes story, A Scandal in Bohemia, but updated and set in Portland, Oregon in the late 90s. The Sherlock Holmes character, who's not called Sherlock Holmes, the Sherlock Holmes character is going on and on about, we're the good guys, we help these people who come to us and they're victims of plots, and we work it out. And the Watson character, who's gotten totally sick of working for really awful people, says, the good guys? Wait, wait, the good guys? I mean, there aren't evil guys and innocent guys. You know this, right? It's just... It's just a bunch of guys. Isn't it the other way around? The Watson character was complaining about being... about having to work for the bad guys? Yeah, he was, but but it was... And the Sherlock character was the one that was like, there are no bad guys. Yeah, he's... just a bunch of guys. No, 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 no. The, The Watson character said it's just a bunch of guys. Huh. Okay. But... It, it's a it's a silly statement, but it's the kind of thing you can't get in a film these days because films now are made for millennials, and millennials grew up on Harry Potter. Those of us in Gen X grew up at the tail end of the Cold War. We know what moral nihilism is, and we know what moral nihilism is because we grew up in a world where the best of the good guys were people like Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. Now, they did some amazing stuff historically, but there was no way for them to hide their sins in public because they had adversarial press and because it was a point in history where the American and the British people did not fall for propaganda in the same way they did in the 60s and 70s. So there was enough of a breaking of trust that the uh, the media class had not caught up with how to massage the message so the public would buy it. And we grew up in this, and we understand that it's just a bunch of guys. When you're writing fiction inspired by contemporary uh, happenings and issues, the zeitgeist is very much the zeitgeist created by Harry Potter and the Marvel movies, where it doesn't matter how awful the good guys are. It doesn't matter how intelligent or pragmatic or even wise the bad guys are. The fact that they're in the white hats and they're in the black hats means that everything those guys in the white hats do is excusable and everything those guys in the black hats do is inexcusable. If you fall into that trap with your writing when you're doing current event when you're doing fiction inspired by current events, you're gonna give the store away. People will see exactly what you're up to. If you're wanting to do stuff where it's not that obvious, you need to look at the Gen X moral nihilism, the jadedness. You need to be able to see the world for how it really is rather than for how we'd like it to be. And then bring that into your fiction. That will allow you to obscure the issues that you're dealing with enough that you will provoke the emotional, intellectual, and maybe even philosophical engagement of people who are inclined to disagree with you. 
More to the point, as an artist, that will give you the opportunity to explore issues you may have a firm opinion on and come out the other side having a much richer and more nuanced view of the things you're exploring. Another um, way to approach current events is <clears throat> to look at history. History is cyclical. The things that are happening now, there's always some kind of a callback to things that have happened in, in the past. There, 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 are, there are conflicts that are similar. Frequently, it is a repeat of a conflict that has occurred many times in the past between the same sets of people. Um, look at the parallels and connect this event back to something that happened 150 years ago and draw those events into what you're writing as well as what is current. And it will feel richer to the audience because it won't be one-to-one. It won't be, it, it won't be just this thing. It will be something that resonates much more deeply. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's actually not where I was going to go with the same observation. And I'm glad you went there because it's a different place where I was going to go is Mark Twain once said, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Mm. What you're asking, Don, is how do you make your story rhyme instead of repeating? And thinking of it as making it rhyme instead of repeating might be a key. Yeah. Thank you very much for the question, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.